Alexander, written and read by Oliver Gray. Chapter 6. Bird did indeed have a reason to try and secure a conviction against Ben, and the reason was simple. Statistics were important in modern policing. Clear-up rates were published nationally, and individual officers were measured on successful prosecutions. A conviction in a murder case like this would look fantastic on his curriculum vitae, and it was very rare for such an opportunity to arise in sleepy Winchester. But the more he thought about it, the greater his doubts became. Was he really so convinced of Ben's guilt? Just because he seemed a bit of a middle-class twit, and was seemingly involved in the business end of quite a seedy industry, it didn't necessarily mean he was a murderer, Bird was forced to acknowledge to himself. Further forensic results put fibres from Ben's duffel coat on Corey Zander's jacket, but that also could be explained as having happened during the resuscitation attempt. As it stood, there was definitely a case to answer, but Bird could already hear how the judge would instruct the jury. If you have the slightest doubt about the guilt of the defendant, you must return a verdict of not guilty. This case was not as open and shut as he had initially dared to hope, and the wrath of the media would land on his head if thousands of pounds were spent on a failed prosecution. After discussion with colleagues and Maria Weston, Bird agreed to allow bail. Ben Walker seemed so crushed that Bird couldn't imagine him absconding. Robert and Diana came up with a surety, and after a second night in the cells, Ben was released on Thursday morning. Walking along City Road and into Andover Road, past the Albion where Corey had unsuccessfully tried to score drugs, and the light of Bengal where they had dined only days before, Ben hardly recognised the world. Everything was normal. The commuters heading to the station, the students strolling up towards Peter Simmons College. But his world could never be the same. The consequences of getting into trouble in a small town were about to kick in, and he knew it. As he turned the corner into Taplings Road, he noticed a couple of neighbours talking. As they saw him, they turned away to avoid having to say good morning. He obviously couldn't go into school, so he decided to stay in the flat and phone the various people he needed to contact. He started by calling Rosie at work at Pools. She expressed relief at his release, but explained in a low voice that she couldn't talk at the moment because people were giving her strange looks. He then tried Robert at school. It was morning break and Robert had some time to talk, but his response wasn't the sympathetic one Ben had foolishly hoped for. There was a list as long as his arm of reasons why this incident had been disastrous. He'd had to find thousands of pounds to bail Ben out. Diana was on the verge of a nervous breakdown, being spurned by all her influential friends. Parents were threatening to take their children away from the school, not wishing them to be associated with a teacher involved in a sordid murder case. He was going to have to spend a fortune on supply teachers. The governors had convened a special meeting for this evening with a single item on the agenda, the suspension of Ben Walker. Suspension? Ben was feeling dizzy. Why should I be suspended when I haven't done anything wrong? Whether you've done anything wrong is a matter of opinion. I don't believe you're a murderer, but I do believe you were irresponsible as a teacher to get involved in something like this. If we're not careful, it'll ruin the reputation of the school and I'll be implicated by association. I'm sorry. I can't be seen to support you in public. I only hope Rosie will. It was like being diagnosed with a terminal illness. This would have been an ideal moment to consult a close and trusted friend, but Ben didn't have any. He'd lost touch with most of his old uni friends, and he and Rosie only socialised with work colleagues, with whom their relationships were cordial but superficial. 
Ben's entire existence had been turned to jelly. If he wasn't careful, he'd drown. He had to try to force himself to concentrate on practicalities, on getting things done, otherwise panic would turn to inertia. Already his instinct was simply to go to bed, pull the covers over his head and hope that he'd wake up in a parallel world where everything was all right. He rang Glenn Wallace, who had some news. I've managed to contact Lucy Cruz, Corey's daughter, and she's already on her way. She seems to be Corey's only surviving relative. I've been busy contacting all the other promoters on the tour, telling them they have to cancel their shows. It hasn't been fun. Well, I guess there's one practical thing I can do, concluded Ben. If you tell me when she's arriving, I can collect Lucy from the airport. She'll be coming flyby from Paris, arriving at 6.40 on Saturday morning. Ben was almost expecting that Rosie would join her father in berating him for his stupidity. But when she came in from work, she embraced him and comforted him with kind words. Her show of support made him release, in the form of tears, all the emotion that had been building up. Terror, rage at the injustice of it all, fear and uncertainty about the future. He was so grateful at being shown some affection at last. Ben, I know there is absolutely no way that you could have done such a thing. There's nothing to be gained by going back over the past, so let's just concentrate on the future and clearing your name. Entwined on the sofa, with little to say but much to think about, the pair finally managed to sleep. Back at the police station, Bird had convened a small meeting to sum up the situation. The consensus was that he was right to have doubts about Ben's guilt. The fact is, pointed out Jackson, that the fingerprint on the badge could easily have come from Walker pressing on his chest. He just doesn't seem the type. What do the rest of you think? Barbara Sellers, a station sergeant, agreed. It's the same with the refuse bin handle. OK, it's unlikely that he would be picking up litter, but it's perfectly possible. There are scores of people's fingerprints all over it, and whoever put the brick in there could have been any one of them. And the fibres, admitted Bird, they could also have come, as he said, from the resuscitation attempt. Also, the two of them had been together for days. You know what these Americans are like. Maybe he gave him a bear hug to thank him for getting the dope. Everyone laughed. As for the dope, added Barbara, strictly speaking, what he did was illegal, but it's another matter altogether. It doesn't make him a killer. I wouldn't give much for his chances of keeping his job, though. It was Friday morning again and a lot had changed in the week since Ben had checked out the entertainments page in the weekly news. This time, his walk to the co-op was a lot less jaunty. He kept his head bowed as he handed over the 95B. This time, he didn't need to search through the pages, as his own face stared out at him from the front page in full colour. Taking its cue from South Today, the weekly news had also superimposed it over a photo of St John's School and a close-up of the board outside it, saying, Head Teacher, Dr. Robert Layton. The news had gone to press the night before, and as far as it was concerned, Ben was still in custody. Ben noted that Derek White had put a lot more effort into this news than he had into plugging his gig. Car park murder. Teacher held. Police are holding Winchester primary teacher Ben Walker in custody, charged with killing a man, believed to be American musician Corey Zander in the car park of the station venue in the city. It is understood that the ex-rocker was bludgeoned to death after his show last Monday, allegedly connected to an argument about money. Detective Chief Inspector Robin Bird, leading the inquiry, said that there were still many avenues of investigation to explore and that the arrest did not mean that they were not looking for anyone else in connection with the case. 
Walker has been a class teacher at St John's Primary School for several years. Head teacher Robert Layton was unavailable for comment. Worried parents gathered at the school gates to discuss the shocking events. Sharon Brown, 36, commented, I can't believe it. We always thought Mr Walker was a nice man and a good teacher, and now he turns out to be a murderer. I'll certainly be taking my children out of school if he ever returns. Back at the flat, the postman was waiting at the door. A recorded delivery envelope, which Ben had to sign for, contained a formal letter from Hampshire County Council, confirming his suspension on full pay. That was that, then. Even if he managed to clear his name, life in Winchester could scarcely be bearable again. He didn't know what to do with himself. He could hardly walk down to the school and plead his case with Robert. He couldn't embarrass Rosie by visiting her in her lunch break. He felt like storming back into the police station and telling them to pull themselves together and stop being so ridiculous. In the end, he spent time flicking through internet pages on his laptop. All the news items and tributes were peppered with allegedlies and it is believed. Reporters were being careful to make Vale's accusations but not make themselves liable to legal action if he was innocent. Just as well, because in his current mood, he'd have sued every one of them. In the afternoon, Ben rang Diana and went round to Chilbolton Avenue for tea. She tried hard, she really did. The humiliation and the scorn at the hands of her posh friends must have been hard to bear, but Robert's claim that she was close to a breakdown had been an exaggeration. She was clear in her mind that Ben couldn't have been involved, even though the circumstances and the milieu in which all this had happened were a total mystery to her. This sort of thing certainly didn't go on in the Waynefleet Singers or at the Chesil Theatre. Ben told her the entire story in detail, something that he felt he hadn't been allowed to do in police custody. OK, we know you didn't do it, said Diana, so who did? It's obvious who did it. That's why I can't understand why they went for me. It was Barry Mort. But are you sure? Who else would have wanted to harm Corey? Mort was drunk. He has a record of violence and he was provoked. He's a thug. How can you prove it? That's not my job. It's up to the police but I'm going to get my lawyer to find out why they aren't pursuing that line of inquiry. As it happened, minds at North Walls were finally turning in that direction too. With the team already having doubts, some information had come in that was to take the focus off Ben as a suspect. The CCTV evidence had been retrieved, edited and delivered to Bird. In an initiative funded by the shops and businesses of Winchester, a comprehensive CCTV network covered the entire city centre. Like many UK cities, Winchester was populated at weekend evenings by crowds of students and other youngsters, mixed with off-duty soldiers from the barracks on the outskirts. There was always trouble in the form of scuffles, fights, general drunkenness and vomiting, even the odd sexual assault. Some older citizens considered the centre a no-go area on Fridays and Saturdays, and if they went out for meals at smart restaurants like Brasserie Blanc or the Chesil Rectory, made sure they were home early. Fed up with having their shop windows kicked in, the BID organisation had arranged for comprehensive surveillance. The pictures couldn't have been clearer. Ben had been pretty much the only person in town on that late Monday evening. Bird and Jackson could follow his every move. He walked through the station car park, through the dingy underpass under the rail tracks, down the hill of station approach and along City Road past the Gurkha Chef. Then he turned right into Jury Street, had a quick look in the churchyard, 
then walked along to Barclays Bank at the end and left down the high street. At the Buttercross he turned right through the alley that led to the cathedral, past the slug and lettuce and the eclipse, both long closed for the night. Near the Statue of Light, in the cathedral grounds, he paused to talk to someone who was seen shaking his head. Ben then walked back to the high street before turning right and ending up leaning on the parapet of the bridge by the city mill, staring into the fast, clear waters of the Itchin. After a moment he seemed to make a decision and quickened pace along Eastgate Street, before stopping outside the very building where they were watching the footage, North Balls Police Station. Jackson paused the tape. OK, so how do you interpret this? Well, he's not just going for a stroll and he's not running away. He seems to be looking for someone or something. He keeps stopping and peering into dark places. Yes, and there's only one person he could be looking for. Corey Zander. And you know what that means? Yes, it means he doesn't know that Corey is dead, which in turn means he can't have killed him. Unless... Is it too far-fetched to suspect that he's trying to make us think that? He's lived here for years, so he'd know about the CCTV system, and he's a bright lad. Bird thought for a moment. Look at this. He stops outside here and walks up and down for two minutes deciding whether to come in. What does that mean? OK, let's look at the two possibilities. Scenario 1. He's killed Corey and now has the presence of mind to walk around making it look as if he doesn't realise he's dead. In that case, why would he even think of coming to the police station? Unless, of course, he wants to confess. In which case, why the wild goose chase? And if we rule that option out, what is scenario two? Scenario two is this. He genuinely is searching for Corey Zander. When he gets here, he has to decide whether to report him missing or not. He knows that Zander has a track record of disappearing after concerts and turning up safe and sound in the morning. So Walker decides not to bother us and goes home to bed. Which the CCTV confirms. Yes, and that means that Walker is definitely innocent. Great, we're back at square one. Not really. We have another obvious suspect. More obvious, really. We need to interview Barry Mort. Xander and Oliver's other books are also available in print and Kindle editions. For more information, head to olivergray.com. This audiobook was a DC 10 Tonight production.